and welcome to the week 17 edition of the Lions podcast. It is Matt Brown. It is Adam Candy. It is Steven Andrus. And guess what? We are going to run through each and every one of the games this week. Give you our thoughts. If we have any plays in the account, if we have any leans or if they are a complete stay away. And guys, I got to admit, this is a little bit of a lighter week for me than normal. Some games in which a lot of news has happened. We're rare. We're there's going to be very few games that we get to that doesn't have some sort of massive news that could impact some stuff, whether it be from a motivational angle, whether it be from an injury angle, or whether it be from just a decision that was made by the team angle. So we have all of that stuff this week. And uh, it's pretty interested to hear your, y'all's thoughts and if it changed your minds on any of these games and if it actually made you want to bet or get off of a position or whatever it might be with how this has all gone down. So we'll kick things off here. Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons. As we sit right now, the Atlanta Falcons are three-point home favorites over the Cardinals. 42-42 and a half is your total. And here's the first of games with news. Colt McCoy cleared concussion protocol. So while we were thinking that this was likely going to be um, a game in which we, you know, Cliff was probably going to be dealing with who knows who, who knows what type of players out there. Instead, Colt McCoy does in fact clear concussion protocol is going to start. And then also we get the uh, little bit of narrative street here in that JJ Watt announced his retirement and has two games left in his NFL career. So um, Adam, I'll kick things off with you. The Colt McCoy news. Does that change anything for you? Trace McSorley was maybe the worst quarterback I've seen in quite some time. If, if the Cardinals had anybody at quarterback other than Trace McSorley, they would have beaten the bucks by 10 points, but that just wasn't the case. Um, so, here we get Colt McCoy back in the saddle indoors in a dome against this Falcon team with again, nothing to play for. I've seen some billboards for uh, injury attorneys and they go back to the sort of old phrase who hurt you. <laughs> you know who hurt me? Trace McSorley hurt me multiple weeks, but I yelled about that enough last week that I'm not going to get too deep into it this week. I actually do think there's a difference between uh-huh. Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley. And there I are a too. couple of three and a halfs hanging out there. I couldn't believe it. I know. I couldn't believe I it. Like, I like Arizona I know. catching three and a half. I um, couldn't believe it. I'm I don't understand exactly what's up. It, you have to have watched some of Desmond Ritter the last couple of weeks to to understand uh just how bad it's been for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, offensively, it has been ugly for this team. And, you know, not that the running attack has been outstanding, but you lose Caleb Huntley from that. And it had been kind of a three-headed monster setup with uh, with what they'd had there. Down to a couple of heads. Look, I'm not going to try to sell you too hard on the Arizona Cardinals. I've gotten burned badly on the Cardinals uh, two out of the last three weeks. They lose Buda Baker off the defense. Maybe they're one true playmaker uh, in the secondary, and that is going to affect them. Is this Atlanta team the one to take advantage of that? I'm not so sure. But the one thing you can say about Arizona is that with Colt McCoy at the helm, think about that game they lost to Denver. They were up 9-3 in the third quarter of that Mm -hmm. game and moving along just fine before the defense got stuck out there for the entire second half with Trace McSorley unable to keep the offense on the field. So I do think that with the full complement of receivers available to Colt McCoy, there's a chance Arizona can move the ball a little bit and getting three and a half against an Atlanta team that's not doing anything particularly well is attractive. So this this is a game that I put in my account. And listen... I, I, it was wacky because the news came out about Colt McCoy 
and it moved the opposite direction. It moved to three. It moved off the three and to three and a half. And I was like, what am I missing? Like, what in the hell's going to like Trace McSorley looked horrific in that game. And the fact that they're going to Colt McCoy, who at least has experience and has at least a pulse in this league to get over a field goal like the Falcons. There's an argument to be made, Stephen, that the Falcons are not better than a field goal favorite against anybody in this league at this juncture. And that includes the Broncos and, and all these other teams that are bottom feeders and stuff at this point. So I took the three and a half. I might live to regret it, but I took the three and a half. I don't, I can't even explain why. And I will tell you this. I will tell you this. If you go player for player, I understand how bad the Cardinals have been, but if you go player for player, is Colt McCoy really worse than Desmond Ritter at this point? I mean, you've got a number one receiver in De- DeAndre Hopkins who's definitely better than the number one who's a rookie for the Falcons. If you start and you start to go like position by position, the running back position's better with James Conner. Whatever, they actually have more talent too. It's just you know the cliff factor certainly is involved here. At worst, the quarterbacks are equally as bad in this game, right. and both of the defense are defenses are equally as bad. And somehow I have a ticket in my account of Arizona plus four, which made no <laughs> sense to me. So I mean, we shared it with our Discord followers earlier this week. So we got the best of the number there. Last two weeks with Desmond Ritter, brutally bad completion percentage uh, over expected in mm-hmm. front of only Derek Carr, Mac Jones and the aforementioned McSorley. Atlanta's offensive numbers are bolstered all by rushing. It's it's completely rushing. And if you combine that with the number 27 situation, neutral pace offense, that's not a formula for winning a game by more than a field goal. Like that, Whenever you have that combination, you want to try and get the team that's trying to cover more than a field goal. It looks like we're all on board on this one. We're going to plug our nose with Colt McCoy, especially when you consider the fact that in that stretch over the past two weeks with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, they haven't gotten any help from their defense. 29th in success rate, 30th in drop back EPA in games against Andy Dalton and Tyler Huntley. So yeah. Easy, easy bet here for me. And I don't know if any book is going to hang it. I'm just going to close it out with this. But the J.J. Watt narrative, I'm sure you guys heard this week as well, that he has been talking to Cliff about wanting to get offensive snaps. And if any book hangs anytime touchdown on J.J. Watt, bet it because they are going to run a play for him for sure. If he is in the game, they are going to run a play for him and try to get him the ball. Like apparently he wants to close out having a few offensive snaps or whatever and all this stuff like that. They have nothing to play for. Cliff seems like a pushover as it is. So if JJ Watt walked up and said like, Hey, you're going to put me in the goal line situations. Cliff's like, you're right. I am going to put you in the goal line situation. So anyway, I don't know if a book will hang it or not. If, but if they do, I will be putting some some money on that because that is uh, they're at least going to try. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but they're at least going to try to give it to J.J. Watt. Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. This is six in favor of the Lions. 52, 52 and a half is our total, our biggest total of the week here in NFL Week 17. We have the Lions who are still clawing, gripping, praying to try to get into the playoffs here. And of course, the Bears are dead and gone. Adam, I'll start with you here on this one as well. If we take a look, 52, 52 and a half in this, is that high enough? I guess is the question because we we're back in the dome. We know that this lions team scores way better in the dome. They, they seem to run for whatever reason, run better plays whenever they're inside. And then of course you have the Chicago bears defense as well. 
So the way that I run my filters for EPA, mm-hmm. I wish I could show it on the audio version of our podcast <laughs> because they have to shift the access access so far out to be able <laughs> to show the Bears defense that it's like otherwise everything could be condensed into one little frame and then there's all this white space and then you find at the bottom of all forms of EPA allowed (laughs) the Chicago Bears defense. So I see where you're coming from with that. I think the question, if you're going to play this total, is what do you think the Lions defense is going to do in this one? I have to take a big L on my thoughts on the Detroit Lions last week. I was texting you guys about Mm. it uh, on Sunday. I was texting you guys about it during the week. I said to you last week, tell me if I'm missing something. Is Dante Foreman going to run for 175 yards? He ran for 165. Yes. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard as well. So, yeah, I missed something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Lions defense hadn't been that bad since early in the year. So Dan Campbell talked a lot this week about needing to get their teeth kicked in to turn things mm-hmm. around. I don't think the Lions defense will be as bad this week. And if we think the Lions offense can turn things back around, are the Bears going to have to try to put the ball in the air with Chase Claypool hurt, mm-hmm. with Equimania St. Brown hurt, uh, likely to play, but still hurt. I don't know that I trust the Bears to chase throwing the ball. If the Bears are in this game, if you think it's going to be a closer game, if you think it's going to stay within the number and the Bears can run the ball a little more and Justin Fields becomes more of a factor that way, then I could see playing the over. Steven, we've got a game in which, you know, listen, if we're talking about motivational factors, we know one team has something to play for. One team does not. I think that, if we, as we look at this, everybody was thinking that maybe both of these coaches were going to be on the hot seat at the end of the season. Now, both of these coaches are comfortably in jobs next season, all this stuff. So, I mean, it seems fairly cut and dry why the number is what it is because one team with motivation, one team without, one team might be trying to get a little cute and see what, you know, they might be able to instill into the playbook for next year and all the things like that. So, I get all that. I'm just not rushing to the window to lay six with, with the Lions, though. I'm not either. I I think we at least put to bed the trendy talking points about Jared Goff not in a dome last week. Mm -hmm. I I think Adam was still very much correct about the Lions offense last week. They just couldn't stop the run on defense. Jared Goff was awesome on the road in cold weather. He had 355 yards, three touchdowns, more than eight yards per attempt. So I still have full confidence in the Lions offense going back home in a controlled environment in the dome. The question becomes, can their defense do enough against the Bears offense? Uh, I will also say for for what it's worth over the past four weeks, the Bears defense statistically is a little bit improved at least. I still think they're very bad, like Adam said, but at least in terms of gross, raw EPA and success rate, they aren't bottom 10 like they have been for the vast majority of the season, and that has been against teams like Buffalo and Philadelphia and Green Bay. So uh, there's some improvement there. So in in terms of my betting angle here, I'm just going to let my Lions to make the playoff bet from a couple of weeks ago ride. I'm not going to bet anything. If I was going to bet on this game, it would probably be Bears or pass at six or better here. Um, Just because it's a divisional game. These two teams know each other very well. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a shootout. So and I just I think the Bears offense can keep up with what the Lions defense is putting on the field. Yeah, it was this was 
close to making my account when the total was a little bit lower. Um, of course, this thing has rocket shipped up it for whatever reason. Um, the, for whatever reason, the look ahead on this thing was sitting at like 48 and a half and whatever. It opened at 51, of course, now all the way up 52, 52 and a half. So I don't know. Maybe if it comes back down, something I would look at here. But I think this will be a a wait and see, maybe an in-game opportunity on the Lions if the Bears happen to get the ball and score first or something like that. Like maybe an in-game opportunity. That yeah, could be Matt, to, yeah. just to, to put a bow on what Steven mm-hmm. was saying a moment ago about the Lions offense, uh, if I didn't give you the opportunity to go look and say which team in the NFL finished third in dropback EPA per play last week, 10th in EPA per play last week overall on offense, the Detroit Lions, like the offense actually was not a problem despite the fact that that score ended up the way that it did. It's just that the defense got banged around so badly. Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs find themselves as 12 and a half to 13 point Favorites at home here against the Broncos, 44 and a half, 45 is the total. Steven, this is a buy for the Chiefs in week 17. Lucky them. Uh, Broncos, of course, <laughs> as we know, fired Nathaniel Hackett and our, the interim coach is coming in and firing guys and stuff. I mean, it's like, what in the world? Like, you gotta, you have a job for two weeks and you're firing guys and everything. Is it, it's, it's just a complete and utter train wreck there in Denver. And this is, I think this line is appropriate. Um, if you guys watched our Thursday night video and you happen to get in on, like I was saying, if, if there is any of those funky kind of three team, 10 point teasers that you can play out there. I mean, this seems like a, a pretty decent one for me to kind of take the chiefs down to two and a half or whatever, if you want to do that. But it, it's, it's chiefs or pass even with the large spread for me, but I just, I, I can't lay it because I do question at least a tiny bit motivation because we have seen Andy Reed put Patrick Mahomes on the sideline before. Like we have seen Andy Reed say, okay, enough's enough. You're going to, you know, we're going to finish out with, with someone else. So I think there's at least a minimal chance for a backdoor here, which is the only reason I haven't come in on the chiefs. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a sharp better. Who's dropping like six figures on some of these mm-hmm. games throughout the season and betting on the Denver Broncos in this game because this was 13 and a half, Matt. Yeah. And now it's down to 12 and a half. And I know that's a big spread in the NFL. And most of these sharp betters are looking long term, measuring their success over a course of a season, as every better should. But like there is so much that can't be quantified on the Broncos side in this game with the firings, as you mentioned, not just the head coach, but basically the entire staff skeleton crew staff this week the entire team and offensive line hating the quarterback's guts for a laundry list of reasons what how can any of that be put into the into the numbers this week where you would be attracted to backing the broncos here at 13 and a half i just that's beyond me but we'll see i guess so it's never denver for me this week especially now that the number's worse And it's never Kansas City to me at this number either because it's just such a huge spread in Kansas City. You know, I know they covered last week against Mm -hmm. Seattle, but Seattle had a ton of opportunities to cover a big number. Kansas City hasn't been a team that you want to back to cover big spreads here, not just this year, but multiple years. So the only angle I have for you, Matt, that I'm curious about is a non-traditional teaser leg now that gets this under seven because now that it's at 12 and a half, we can get minus Mm -hmm. six and a half. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's look, this is a week for 
non-traditional teasers for sure. I mean, like if you were going to do that, uh, like I think that this is the week to kind of do all of that stuff. I mean, Adam, if we take a look here, one, do you buy into my deal about, you know, maybe we see the B squad here for the chiefs in the fourth quarter, because again, you know, there have been times where Andy Reid has pulled Mahomes for, for safety purposes and any rightful and rightfully so, right. He should, because without Mahomes, that team is dead. Um, that being said, there's also the narrative angle, however, because Mahomes is now currently the MVP favorite and there is, you know, is there enough motivation for Reed to leave him in and let him keep his foot on the gas and do whatever to kind of solidify the MVP this week to where if he does want to sit him next week, I mean, you know, there, there is narrative street here and guys, if you think that the coaches and players don't have these conversations, you're sort of mistaken. I, I do a show for, for visa and, and Mike Pritchard, former first rounder comes on the show. And I ask him like, do these conversations happen? He's like, Oh hell yeah. These conversations happen. Like, yeah, you got a bonus. If you get like, you know, two more catches or something, or you get a bonus for one more touchdown or you're in the running for some sort of something. like, hell yeah, this stuff, yeah, these conversations happen. So, um, you know, there's that as well, Adam, how, how are you kind of viewing this Broncos chief sitting 12 and a half? So I go back to the first time these teams played, which is only a couple of weeks ago. And I remember the Chiefs getting out to a four touchdown lead and then having to hang on for mm. dear life at the end of the game. And it gives me a little bit of pause about trying to figure out anything that these two teams are going to do. So I'll tell you the one way that I have looked at this game. and I don't know that anybody is going to think this jumps off the page with a spread this big, but it's the under. Uh if you go last half of the season, so weeks eight to weeks, weeks eight to 16, filter out the EPA for garbage time. The Kansas City Chiefs are fifth in the league in EPA per play on defense uh, right now, which is not at all the way that we have looked at the Kansas City Chiefs defense over the course of the season. And I think we're going to get a little skewed looking at the Broncos defense in a game that was a. Let's say Mike Pritchard and his teammates got together in the locker room against the Rams last week and said, guys, we can't do any more Hackett. Like, we're going to find a way to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but we're going to look at that Broncos defense and think that they gave up 50 to the Rams and think, oh, that's it. They're done for the year. This and that. I don't know if they're necessarily done for the year. This is a team defensively that has been one of the best in the league all year. And after the Chiefs ran out big on Denver early in that game, uh, they allowed a grand total of seven points in the second half. So I, I don't think it's beyond the Denver Broncos to help keep this thing under 45. And if the Kansas City Chiefs are playing defense, then that certainly could lead to that as well. So that's the only way in for me. I'm not going to try to handicap whether or not, uh, you know, Andy Reid's going to keep the starters in. But the one way I can at least factor it in is if I look at an under and think maybe Mahomes doesn't play the fourth quarter, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 unders for me from a prop standpoint, from a Chiefs deal as well. I mean, there is there is that there is more narrative stuff going on. Not that uh, you know, I I, I think it probably only matters to the person himself. But Travis Kelsey is tied with Devontae Adams for most touchdown, most receiving touchdowns in the league as well. So um that could play into something along the way as well if they get down into the red zone anytime kelsey touchdown something like that i imagine they would like to get him that as well if at all humanly possible so uh, again we we try to start to there there are walks down narrative street as we get towards the end of the season with all of this stuff all right boys another game with a ton of news here miami dolphins and the new england patriots as we sit right now this is two and a half to three 
um, a cheap three on the Patriots, and it is 41 uh, is your total pretty much, 141 and a half there across the market. So this was Dolphins minus one. We get the news. Tua has entered concussion protocol yet again. Line starts to move, blasts through the zero, gets to one, gets to one and a half, gets to two, settles all the way at two and a half, where this is most likely to go off in this one. Steven, if we look here, um, Teddy Bridgewater has a limited amount of action so far this year, but 37 of 60, 522 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. You certainly don't want a one for one when it comes to that, but his average depth of target, we used to think it was like check down Charlie when it came to, to Teddy Bridgewater, but I think maybe he adjusted at least a little bit to the personnel around him because he never played with a team that had a, the likes of, of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Average depth of target is actually 9.6 yards, which puts him in the top 10 of all quarterbacks in the NFL that have at least 40 pass attempts on the season. And small sample size, of course, because he didn't play a ton, but his passer grade, according to Pro Football Focus, puts him in the same neighborhood as guys like Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy. So, like, he's not lighting it up, but he's not, like, the worst in the world either. So, I mean, yes, there's a downgrade for sure, to Teddy Bridgewater for this Dolphins team, but I don't think it's maybe like just the death knell that people are making it out to be. Well, the market certainly agrees with you because this went to three and now I'm seeing two and a halfs again, which is what it was before Tua was ruled out. So there's certainly some disagreement in the market on, on whether or not Teddy Bridgewater matters or not. So I am on the New England Patriots side here under three. I have bet the Patriots minus two and a half. Um, I certainly hear the arguments for Teddy Bridgewater. I can't disagree with you on that. I think for, through the course of his career, he's been fine. But I also think that the Dolphins offense, for whatever reason, just has not looked as crisp this year in the three games or two and a half games where Tua has not been on the field. So, and those were including a Bridgewater very winnable game against the Minnesota mm-hmm. Vikings where turnovers got in the way for them and, and cost them that win. They lost 24 to 16, a home game against the Vikings in week six. My major concern here with backing the New England Patriots is that they've, they might be without basically all of their cornerbacks this mm-hmm. week. You know, it's, it's, to have a stupid dad joke keeping up with the Joneses. They have three cornerbacks with the last name Jones. They all are limited or DMPs this week. Jalen Mills is also limited DMP this week. So I don't know how many cornerbacks they're going to have. You got beat reporters in New England saying they might bring some receivers off the practice squad to go out there and play cornerback. Mm -hmm. So that's the major concern here for me in this game, especially with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle being the guys that they got to cover, even if Teddy Bridgewater is at quarterback. Now, with that being said, as as frustrating as the New England offense has been, they're playing a defense in Miami that has really struggled over the past month. The Miami defense is 29th in EPA per play allowed. They are 25th in success rate allowed over the past 4 weeks. Obviously, some some tough quarterbacks mixed in there, dropping class here against Mac Jones, but um, I just don't believe in this Miami team when the starting quarterback isn't in there, even if it is Teddy Bridgewater. So I thought under a field goal here for New England uh, is a fair price, and I took it. 
So I think there are a few different games here, Adam, this week where we might have to just kind of plug our nose and play teaser legs. And even though we don't necessarily believe in the teams and kind of hate the teams, maybe even. And I think this might be one of those weeks that we have to do that. Um, Look, if you want to believe that the Patriots are going to win this game, I can buy into that. And if you want to tell me that the Patriots are going to win this game by more than a field goal, I might could even buy into that too. But if you want to tell me that the Patriots are going to win this game by margin, Patriots haven't won anything at margin. They haven't been able to score. The offense is completely discombobulated. They can't figure out any sort of sequencing. They don't know what's going on. Mac Jones is out there complaining after every call comes in and whining like a little baby. So for me, if, I, if you're going to give me eight and a half in a game of the 41 total in which I don't believe in the opposing offense at all, uh, I think I'm going to have to just kind of plug my nose and take it this week as much as I hate to as much as I hate to back a Teddy Bridgewater quarterback team. I, uh, I think this is probably the time to do it. So I think this is the kind of game where there is enough variance involved in the backup quarterback for Miami and whatever the hell the New England offense is that you have to look for non-traditional ways into the game period. And if you dig deep on this one, you'll see that there isn't a bigger gap between Mike McDaniel on his scripted plays early and Matt Patricia on his scripted plays early. And the Miami Dolphins offense gets a lot more added by what Mike McDaniel brings into the equation at the beginning of the game versus what Matt Patricia does in frustrating, holding back, Mm -hmm. uh, kneecapping Mac Jones and this offense. If you look around, uh, you can find Miami first quarter even money on the money line. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's the way that I want to get into this thing. I trust that knowing that Tua Tagovailoa was not going to be playing, that Mike McDaniel will be able to scheme to Teddy Bridgewater's strengths mm-hmm. early in this game, maybe try to get some run-after catch for Waddle Hill and so on that allows Miami to get out to a lead. And we know that you know Matt Patricia scheming up plays for Mac Jones isn't exactly the way that it's worked well for them. So go back over the last few weeks and it's played out, right? You see the Cincinnati Bengals run out to a 20 plus point lead over New England early in the game and then have to hang on for dear life. You see the Raiders run out to a two touchdown lead over New England and then New England have to come back late in the game and frankly, obviously should have won that game. So I think the easy way to do this is I can still control the variable of Mike McDaniel against Matt Patricia when it matters most. I like the the Miami Dolphins in the first quarter. Yeah, Stephen, you did mention, though, to be fair to this Dolphins team, right? They've gotten the 49ers and the Bills in two of those four weeks in that four week stretch, right? I mean, we're talking about really good, really, really good teams there. The Chargers kind of after they had gotten back at least a couple of their playmakers as well, they ran into them. And listen, I, I can't I can't say for certain because football's weird and we've seen some weird things happen this week. They were trucking the Packers, man. Like, like, and and Tua got concussed, and then the game w- went sideways. But like, it seems like they had kind of gotten back on track, and and now it makes a whole lot more sense because you were just looking. You're like, how did he play so exceptionally well in that? You know, and then and then go to that, and it makes a whole bunch more sense. And so, I, I don't know. I, I'm 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 giving him at least a little bit of a pass for that one as well. So I. I I think we I just don't want us to be too tough on this team because it's been a pretty brutal stretch uh, here of late. And uh, give me eight and a half in a game of the 41 total against Mac Jones led offense. And uh, I'll take that all day long. 
Indianapolis Colts and the New York Giants. Uh, more news uh, to go along here. The Giants sitting five and a half to six point favorites in this one over the Colts. 38 is your total. The Colts are going to stick with Nick Foles. So, uh, yeah, after all of that, the Colts are going to stick with Nick Foles. Um, yes, Adam pumps because, yes, this might be a very, very good chance, not only for the Giants to get into the playoffs, but for me to cash my alt over that I thought was dead as well. Thank you, Jeff Saturday. And actually, I should say thank you, Jim Ursay, because he is definitely saying we are going to lose out because we're getting a quarterback in this draft. Like that is, that is the decision that has been made here. Do not make any mistake about this. Adam, of course, I'm going to start with you here in this game. Uh, look, the Colts are lifeless. I honestly do believe they are. The players are always going to play hard. I believe the organization does not want to win. And if you are sticking with Nick Foles, you have all but said that you do not want to win. He looked lost. He didn't know the playbook. He admitted he didn't know the playbook. Talk coming into the week. He said, I've been running with the scout team. I hadn't even played with any of these damn guys. And <laughs> the Colts are a franchise that actually understands the important importance of a franchise quarterback. Let's not forget they had Manning, they had luck, and then they've done this hodgepodge over the last th- four, four seasons that just hasn't worked out. They have a chance to get one of the top five picks in the draft, and I think that they're going to try and secure that. I think your Giants win, Adam, and not only I think that they win, I think this actually could almost be a trucking as well. I would caution you this. Do the Giants have the ability to truck anybody? Because if you look back over the course of this season, even the bad teams they've played have been closer games because Brian Dable just does not open up the possibility of trying to run up the score on anybody. He he plays a very, very conservative game plan. Now, I'm about to lead my analysis of this with everyone's favorite, a number you can't get anymore. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I played the Giants minus three at open. Yeah. I felt as wholly confident in that Giants minus three as I could, and I don't care who you started quarterback mm-hmm. for the Indianapolis Colts in that scenario. Uh, I'll give you narrative street for a second, and then we'll get to the actual analysis of this game. This is the Super Bowl for the New York Giants. This is the game they absolutely have to win. They know that they have to win this game. Teams that have to win games lose them all the time. But teams that have to win games aren't often presented with Jeff Saturday and Nick Foles in front of them. And that's what the New York Giants have here. If the Giants are to make the playoffs, they have this game and they have next week against Philadelphia. And there's still a chance that Philadelphia might have to play for that game. They might not be resting starters. It's not a guarantee. So the Giants know that Philadelphia trucked them a couple of weeks ago. They've got to win this game. And it's a game that actually sets up pretty well for the Giants to win in the first place. What have I told you guys all year long? It happened last week. The Giants play close games against non-elite teams, and they had exactly that happen against Minnesota. Well, you know what they do against bad teams? They kind of act like a dog when it sees a little bug on the ground and just kind of bats at it for a while and doesn't really eat it, just doesn't really kill it, just messes around with it for a bit. That's what they've done with bad teams all year. They let them hang a little bit, but they don't ever lose to those teams. And that's Mm -hmm. the kind of game plan you're going to see out of Brian Dable. It's going to be what you've seen all year. It's going to be Saquon. It's going to be horizontal throws from Daniel Jones. And keep this in mind. 
What's actually improved for the Giants the last few weeks is what is the worst for the Indianapolis Colts. The pass rush has come around for the Giants. They've gotten healthy on the interior with both Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence being there. Aziz Ojolari is questionable to play in this game, but he and Kayvon Thibodeau on the edges have been outstanding over the last three weeks for the New York Giants. And we saw Nick Foles not be able to get out of his own way and that offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts struggle mightily. So where we are right now, the only two things I would look at are I don't even know if 38 and a half is low enough for this total. I think that you're looking at mm-hmm. the kind of game you saw with the Colts last week, a 20 to three, a 20 to seven, uh, maybe a 20 to 10 uh, for the Giants and the Colts. And I think the other way you can go about it is if you're searching for teaser legs and the Giants are out at six and you want to play it down to pick. Sure. Go for it. I don't mm-hmm. it's not a long teaser. It's not traditional, but I I greatly struggle to see how the New York Giants lose this game. Uh, Adore Jackson, unless I'm mistaken, is is expected back too, right? Questionable, yeah, yeah. Qu- questionable. So could be back. That would take Michael Pittman out of the equation. Um, another thing here, the props are going to be listed. You know, here we're by the way, we're recording this on Thursday. We typically do it on Friday, recording it on Thursday, getting it out early to you guys so that you can uh, enjoy your holiday. We are we are looking here at Isaiah Hodgins, who has become kind of the de facto number one receiver for the the Giants. Twenty one of twenty seven targets uh, over the last four weeks for this guy. That's a seventy seven point eight percent catch rate that he's got going. He's got over a couple hundred yards. He's got a few touchdowns and stuff. It wouldn't surprise me like if he is this kind of like the. I'm not going to call it a breakout game or anything, but like this is the game where he puts up 75 yards, you know, and a touchdown or something like that. So I'm going to be looking pretty hard when the props hit for Hodgins as well, because, uh, again, I think this Colts team has quit. What say you, Stephen Anders? I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on, on the Giants to cover the spread. Matt, how many games have the Giants won by double digits this year? Yeah, but again, I mean, we zero. Can, we can do that. Zero. We can play this game. But uh, what is where are the Colts power rated in your rankings? Because I can tell you, for me, they were dead bottom last. Yeah, yeah, I think they were dead last for me. For sure, even below, even below the Texans this week. Yeah. So here's the offense is broken, right? I I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, they they could not score any points again this week for sure. The offense is totally broken. The defense hasn't quit to me. The defense has been still playing hard. They, I thought, looked pretty respectable against the Chargers last week. Over the past four weeks, they are number three in EPA per play. So if the Giants don't beat anybody by double digits and you need them to win by seven points to cover the spread, you're kind of asking them to thread the needle here a little bit. So I do agree wholly, wholeheartedly with Adam that they are extremely likely to win this game. So I'm backing the Giants in this game. I'm just doing it in a different way. I have a money line parlay on the Giants mm-hmm. with the Philadelphia Eagles and actually got plus money on it. So oh, yeah. not your not your traditional teaser, but yeah. if you if you find a book where the Giants are five and a half and you just take the money line instead and and pair it with some other team's money line, instead of paying the minus one twenty on a six point teaser, you you might get plus money like I did. So. Yeah, I'm with you guys that the Giants are going to win this game, but I'm never going to be interested in backing him to win a game by a touchdown. Colts team total is 16 and a half. 
They get into 17 points. Oh, stop. They get into 17 stop. points. No, there is no chance this team is getting to 17 points without a defensive or special team. That's what I'm score. saying. They get into 17 points because the team total is 16 and a half. I think that might actually be the play in this game. Daniel uh, Jones like, fumbles scoop and score coming now. Here like it comes. That, that might be the play in this game because I do not see the Colts getting to 17 points whatsoever. So uh, yeah. I'm going to do some shopping around here in Las Vegas and see if I can find uh, that's a draft. Brian right Dable, now. Yeah. Is there a, is there, has there been a bigger coaching matchup this season than Brian Dable versus Jeff Satter? Right, right. No bigger, bigger as in girth, <laughs> correct. Yes. You're talking about like size well, of human beings. He's right? always going to win that battle. Well, yeah. is just a, yeah, well, Saturday's lost like 180 pounds or something like whatever. I mean, the guy used to be an yeah. offensive lineman. He gave them all to Brian Dable. Yeah. I mean, seriously, the guy used to an offensive lineman he looks all spelt now and stuff i'm like how did you, what are you what's going on dude like you lost like 200 pounds i don't even know how you do that i want his hair by the way I, i'm kind of like my hair what i'm doing with all this i'm mm. kind of shooting for jeff saturday's quaff now we'll give there you this you guy mike can't coach himself out of a paper bag got a got a good head of hair he really oh, does yeah i yeah, got a got a good head of hair and for however he miraculously lost 200 pounds like you know whatever good on him it doesn't look like it looks like one of those guys that won't have those weird stretch marks too you know like there's the fat people that like <laughs> that lose the weight and then you get those stretch marks there he looks like he's probably didn't even have that either so uh, just my just my personal opinion uh the new orleans saints and the philadelphia eagles the eagles are six and a half point home favorites over the saints the total is 42 to 42 and a half steven already said if you are watching this in the entirety form uh that he has this as a leg of a money line parlay if you're watching this in the form of singular games Sorry, I just spoiled it for you. But uh, so, Stephen, I'll go ahead. Then I'll just I'll start with you since this is one that you're on. I mean, listen, I think we saw enough from the Eagles last week in Gardner Minshew to understand that this offense can function with Gardner Minshew playing quarterback. And I think that we also saw enough from this team to realize that, look, they're still very, very good. And a team like the Saints that isn't they're going to be able to beat them and should be able to beat them very, very, fairly handily. That being said, it is not to go without saying they lost Lane Johnson last week and he's going to miss at least the last two games of the season with an abdominal issue. He was pro football focuses number two rated pass blocking tackle in all of the NFL. He has not allowed a sack. He has not allowed a quarterback hit all season long to let you know how good he is. So when we talk about losing these offensive linemen, sometimes there's a difference between losing your an offensive lineman and losing a Lane Johnson. And so, like, it is certainly a, a thing that he is not going to be out there. They also lost Avante Maddox to a toe injury as well. So the Eagles, we should at least just put it out there. I still think they win the game. I do not hate, I do not dislike your money line thing at all. We should say, though, that they are not going to be at full health. For sure. I think the Lane Johnson thing is something that we bookmark in the back of our brains for the playoff game when it comes because it's it's a huge deal, right? It's and even if he comes back and plays, it's already been reported that he requires surgery on this injury and is just going to try and rehab it and do the best he can to play through it. So he's not going to be playing at 100% when he comes back, and we have no idea if he'll be as effective as he was before the injury when the playoffs come. So everybody bookmark that. 
we'll figure out how impactful it is in their defensive line matchup when we get to the playoffs. Because I don't think it's going to matter this week against the Saints. The Saints defense is getting bolstered over the past four to six weeks, but they played quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and crazy cold and wind. Jimmy, I can't throw deep Garoppolo, a combination of Matthew Stafford and Bryce Perkins and Kenny Pickett. So they've also played Desmond Ritter in that stretch. So the, the Saints defensive numbers are getting bolstered by having to play poor quarterbacks. And they are not a strong pass rush team. And in fact, I think they're dead last. Yeah. Dead last the Saints in pass rush win rate. So Eagles will be fine without Lane Johnson this week. And to your point about the Eagles offense, outgained the Cowboys in yards per play significantly, 34 points despite four turnovers, including two very unusual fumbles in the backfield for the running back, one on the exchange with Minshew. So uh, I I walked away from that loss still fairly confident in, in this Eagles offense. Yeah. I bet them five and a half. It's now six and a half with news that Jalen Hurts was at practice, at least doing something on Thursday. So he's not completely ruled out from playing in this game as we record on Thursday afternoon. So money line parlay with the Giants at plus money because I wanted some action on the Giants. But I'm still confident in betting the Eagles to cover this spread under a touchdown as well this week, regardless of who the quarterback is. And if it happens to be Jalen Hurts, which we aren't completely sure about at this juncture, it's probably going to be more than a touchdown. Adam, we talk about narrative street this week and teams motivations and different things like that. Look, we know the Saints need a quarterback and they need a quarterback badly. However, the problem with that is the Saints don't have a first round pick. So tanking doesn't do them any good because they don't have a first round pick this year. So, you know, they, they it actually helps well. the Eagles who they're playing. Yeah, this week. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's like one of those deals that they might as well play hard. They might as well give it their all, whatever. Obviously, the rumors already swirling that Sean Payton might want to come back and all, you know, all these different things like that. So I don't know if that affects this team at all or not. I don't know what's going on there. I just know that the team top to bottom is just not very good. And it certainly starts at the quarterback position. But I mean, pretty much at every level now, you've got Olave, who's going to be even if he comes back is going to be dealing with a hamstring issue. We know about wide receivers and hamstrings and all this. So they're just kind of talent devoid, really. They are. I'll start by saying this game's a pass for me. So if you mm. want to hit that plus 30 button, go right ahead <laughs> uh, on the audio version of the podcast. Uh a point of order, 27 points for that Philadelphia offense last week with the pick six uh, mm. thrown in there. And I, I'll say it Fair, only to say you, this. Yeah. Fair, I, but I, I don't say it to correct you. I say it to say this. Even though it was only 27, think about what else went wrong for them with those mm. fluky fumbles that mm. were involved late in the game. They absolutely could have scored 34. They could have scored 40. They could have scored 45. Now, the Dallas defense has not been great of late. The other side of this is that New Orleans has the makeup of a team that could at least keep a low-scoring game interesting if the Lane Johnson thing is a factor, right? They're still going to be able to dink and dunk a bit. They're going to be able to use the weapons they have to keep it on the closer side if the game script works out their way. I don't want to be involved in it. Um, there's enough in terms of how the Saints defense has played the last couple of weeks. There's enough in terms of was this a one-week thing with Gardner Minshew that it'll keep me off. Yeah, it's a it's it's one of those things for me. I would I mean I think Steven's way to go about it is probably the best in me. I mean, just like, you know. 
play a money line parlay and just kind of move on with it. I guess now that it's up to six and a half, if you did want to do some sort of teaser or something, again, just plug into your book and see what better, see what the better price is, right? Whether you get it, whether it's a teaser, whether it's playing a money line parlay or something like that. But the Eagles are going to win. I just don't know exactly how much they're going to win by. And so that's my only kind of pause here in this one. So I imagine they will also end up, I'm going to have a massive round robin of teasers this week like it is going to be just a huge huge amount of teasers that i have going um because listen i think there's just a ton of games that, that fit the mold and i think that the the philadelphia eagles certainly are there as well uh, matt can i yeah. can i just bring something up when mm-hmm. it comes to that for those who are not as versed when they're trying to put their teaser legs together when you're saying round robin you're basically just going to take all of them and pair them with mm-hmm. each other like one to two three and four two to three four ex- down the line right yep 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 so just a whole bunch of two team teasers and basically so i basically so i don't have to go in and manually do it you know like there's only one book here in nevada that allows us to to round robin them and like it just saves so much time so i don't have to just go in and manually like pair and pair and pair over and over and over again but there's a lot that i really like this week so much so that i kind of just want to get exposure i think to to all of them carolina panthers and the tampa bay bucks uh who to thunk it but the panthers Win this division if they win this week and win next week against the Saints. That is where we sit right now in the NFC South. The Bucks are three-point favorites in this game. 40 and a half is our total. Adam, if we take a look here, you mentioned Deonta Foreman and how he, you know, buried a bet last week for you. Actually, the weird thing about this guy. So since they traded away McCaffrey, he's gone for 774 rushing yards since they traded away McCaffrey. Only Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry have more rushing yards than this dude since that time. And so uh, he has kind of found his groove here. I'm not going to say Sam Darnold has found his, but I think that you better not when you, but but when you think that what this Bucks team brings to the table, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for them to get an outright win here. I really, really don't because there's just nothing that stands that really just stands out about this buck squad right now that makes them that much exponentially better than the Panthers. I know your people are going to say, well, the quarterback position, Tom Brady's not been good. Now he's better than Sam Darnold. I will say that, but Tom Brady has not been good over the last six weeks of the season period. End of story. He's just not been good. And so a full three with the Panthers is at least enticing for me. This was one of the ones where I was talking about, you know, again, round Robin teaser type situation, I know it's non-traditional, but, um, you know, I don't see the Bucks winning at margin really against anybody. And look, Panthers defense is sneaky good. For any of you who have been holding the fort down on Tampa's better than this, this yeah. is your last stand. If you truly believe that Tampa is better than this, you are hammering the Bucks in this game because it's the game they have to have. I am not one of those people. I was on Tampa early in the year. I jumped off around week four or five, and I've stayed off throughout. Do not be fooled by the victories that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had recently. They have had bad teams giving away games to them three times in the last five weeks. So there's nothing to believe in on the offensive side. You've heard so much about, well, look at them. They're, they're, in the two-minute offense, they, they've been much better. Do you think that the Carolina Panthers haven't seen that? Do you think other teams aren't aware that when the Bucks see that they've had success in going to tempo and throwing the ball more, ding, surprise, throwing it instead of running it on first down every time, that 
they're not going to defend them this way as well. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Matt, when you say this game comes down to can Tampa's defense stop the Carolina running game? I actually do think they can slow it down because they are very different with Akeem Hicks in there defending the run, which has been a question for them at various points this year. So uh, long story for me to get around to passing on this game. I, I don't trust Carolina. I certainly don't trust Tampa Bay. And if you guys have a stronger feel on this, I'm I'm all ears when it comes to listening. Yeah, no, like I said, I think it would be just a non-traditional kind of teaser leg type situation for me, just because I think we've gotten to a point now where we can't trust this Bucks team to win at margin at all. Like, I just don't think that that's a, a thing that they're going to be able to do. So um, there's that for me. Uh, Steven, what say you? Tampa Bay's better than this. I think Tampa Bay is better than this. We fight for freedom. (laughs) Here's the, uh, here's the way you can prove it. You can put a bet in your account and you can back that position up. If we could only bet on these things. Oh, we can. So there you go. Nailed it. Here's why I'm not betting it though. Mm. Because I don't think the coaches are going to let them be better than this. You know, we've, if you guys have watched, I'm sure you have. When they get up tempo, when they start throwing the ball, they look more like their, their old selves. When they're running the offense, you know, more traditional in the huddle, they're rushing the ball more. They're completely ineffective doing that. They don't look like themselves. And I, I don't trust the coaching staff to go more up tempo, to go more pass heavy, even with the season on the line we've seen a big enough sample here. So the way I was looking at this game was sitting there seeing the early week action on Carolina getting closer and closer to this, to maybe be Tampa Bay minus two and a half. And then that would have been a buy point for me. Now we're going the other way. The limits have been raised. The money's coming in the other way. Tampa Bay minus 115, minus 118 at some books here on minus for, for Tampa Bay as a three point favorite. I can't do that. I mean, I, I can't. So I, I was looking for a good entry point here, a good buy point here for Tampa Bay. I'm not going to get it. Now I'm starting to wonder if this goes to three and a half, if I'm going to bet Carolina, mm-hmm. because over the past four weeks, they have, I, I mean, I'm like, my jaw is dropping seeing this because I can't believe it. But yeah, over the last four weeks, Carolina has the number one offense by EPA per play. <laughs> Not even close to what Tampa Bay is doing. And to your point, Adam, a lot of that is rushing the ball. And the Bucs are top 10 over the past month in rush EPA and rush success rate defense. So I thought I'd get a buy point here on Tampa Bay minus two and a half. It didn't come, so I'm not going to bet it. But it wouldn't shock me here if they win by six, seven points. It really wouldn't. This this spread was 10. The, no, I'm sorry. The spread was 13 the, the first time these two teams played, albeit Carolina kicked their butts. So... I don't know what to think about this game other than trying to find some value on the spread. And I don't think we're there yet. I, I do think from an in-game perspective, I don't know how much trust I have in the Panthers to come from behind. I will say that. So if the Bucks get up in this game, like 10 points, I might come in live on the Bucks because if it becomes a deal of Darnold having to sling it all over the field to try and come back from behind, I'll play a minus 
like a live minus 12 and a half or whatever, you know, or some kind of something like that on the bucks or because that's where things are going to go south for the Panthers. Right. I mean, like Darnold has not ever been able to sling it all over the field without doing some major, major terrible things. And so I think that might be also in just another angle here is if the, if the Panthers do find themselves behind, I don't think that's this is the type of team that is is come back. I think this is the type of team you pile on. Like you just kind of say, okay, you're they're going to be done. So, bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk free bet up to six hundred dollars at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code The Lines, and you're on your way with the king of sports books. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code The Lines to make a risk free bet up to six hundred dollars. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Cleveland Browns and the Washington Commanders right now. Commanders are anywhere from one and a half to two and a half point favorites over the Browns. A total of 40. This was not news to anybody who's paying attention, but it is officially official. They are going to stay with Carson Wentz, who replaced Taylor Heineke last week in the middle of the game. So Carson Wentz comes in. Wentz was going for about 248, 1.7 touchdowns, and one full pick per start in six starts to open the season. This commander's team has not scored more than 20 points in five straight games. So, um, Stephen, if we take a look, I talked about there are a lot of different ugly hold-your-nose teaser legs that you got to play this week. And unfortunately, this is one for me. Uh, The Browns getting eight and a half in a game with a 40 total in which I'm going to at least be the beneficiary of at least one turnover, if not more. Wentz is going to either fumble or throw a pick. It's going to happen. So I'm going to gain a possession. They're going to lose a possession, all those different things. And like I just mentioned, the commanders hadn't scored more than 20 points in five straight games. Browns suck, but if you give me eight and a half, I think it's just something I got to do. So a lot of quarterbacks have played in the NFL this season. So if we just lower the bar to minimum 50 plays this year, you had to have played 50 plays in the NFL this season. Carson Wentz is not inside the top 30 for either completion percentage over expected or EPA and CPOE composite. By comparison, 
Taylor Heineke has had a positive completion percentage over expected. Now, the market believes there isn't a big difference between these two quarterbacks. The line really hasn't moved that much. If anything, it's it's moved a little bit towards Cleveland. So in my opinion, I think Wentz and his arm talent and the speed they have on the outside maybe raises the ceiling a little bit for this Washington offense. But I also think it lowers or at least maintains the still very low floor of turnover worthy plays that we saw with Taylor Heineke. So I agree with you. I also have the Cleveland Browns as a teaser leg this week. And that's kind of just, just how I feel about the Carson Wentz situation. I don't think it's a big improvement for them. And it will be absolutely hilarious to me if he takes a team that is currently in the playoff picture in the final two weeks of the season and submarines them out of the playoff picture for a second season in a row. I just, yeah. I mean, look, I've, I've seen enough of this team to know that they're not likely to win a game at margin. And I understand, right. Adam, look, the Browns have, have been terrible, and certainly Deshaun Watson has been terrible. But Nick Chubb is said he's going to play the rest of the season. He doesn't care. He wants to play the last couple of games. That's a bonus for us if we're doing that. And weirdly enough, the Browns' defense has been a little bit better of late. I mean, they were just a sieve at the beginning of the season where everybody was doing whatever they wanted to against him, and they've at least gotten a little bit better, too over the course of uh over the course of everything i mean since week 12 um they are actually the eighth defense dvoa in the nfl so um they figured at least something out on that side of the ball which leads me to believe that we might see yet another game in which the commanders don't score more than 20 points and if they don't score more than 20 points they are not likely to cover uh an eight and a half point spread that i would get in a teaser leg i power rate this game a pick Deshaun Watson is better than any version of Carson Wentz. Cleveland plus eight and a half teaser next game. Oh, there it is, fellas. There it is, folks. Quick and to the point. Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Houston Texans are four point home underdogs to the Jags. It is a 43, 43 and a half total. So we go into narratives here yet again. We talk about motivations here yet again. We talked about how the Jaguars season comes down to week 18. Now there is a sub 10% chance that they could get a wild card this week. If like all kinds of weird chaos, something, so, there's something, whatever there's like a 6% chance. I don't know, but mainly they got to win the division um, and they've got to beat the, the Titans next week. And so that being said, Doug Peterson came out and said, said he's not going to rest his starters. Now, Adam, here's the thing. He didn't say how long he was going to play those starters. He just said he wasn't going to rest them. That is why I am hesitant to pull the trigger on this game. I mean, if we knew they were going to play a full complement, this four is way short, like way, way short, like three and a half points short. But the it's built, it's baked into this number. What we are wondering and what everyone is wondering is that what are we going to get a quarter? Are we going to get a half? Do we even get, you know, more than one series? Like there's a, there's a big, big difference in I'm not resting my starters and I'm going to play my starters the whole game. And that is what has me sitting here scratching my head. I want to put in just a, I want to put in just a middle finger bet on the Jags at four saying like this, this should be seven and a half, but like, I'm not, you know, I haven't done it quite yet. In the last three weeks. The Houston Texans have essentially beaten the Dallas Cowboys and lost because they couldn't punch it in on fourth and goal. Uh, took the Chiefs to overtime and beat the Titans in a game in which 
they hurt me largely because I had early week action before the Tannehill injury was announced on a teaser with the Titans. Now, I understand the Jacksonville Jaguars are everybody's darling right now uh, in terms of how the offense has improved. That said, whatever the Texans are doing to be able to hold games close might look like sorcery. There aren't a lot of numbers to back it up, but it's enough to keep me off this game. In addition to the fact of what you just said, he said he's not going to rest his starters, did Doug Peterson. Well, we have seen him rest his starters back in Philadelphia. It is part of the equation where Doug Peterson has done it before, and we'll find out what it means soon, I think, in this game. Steven, again, uh, uh, players are going to play hard. But this would be a franchise shifting win for the Houston Texans if they win this game. Like they they need to lose this game and they need to lose this game very, very badly. And so, again, it is like it, it is the difference between the one pick this year and any other year is you have your you then have your choice. Do you think Bryce Young or do you think Will Levis or do you think CJ Stroud is your guy that's going to be your franchise? And you get all that time up until the draft to weigh all the options as to where you want to go with that. You win this game and Chicago then now holds the number one pick. And now you have to take whatever scraps gets left whenever they trade that pick out to one of these other teams because they'll probably trade it out. And so it's a again, it could be a franchise altering win. I know players play hard. But God, if there's any way in the world they can lose this game, I have to imagine they will, they will try to lose this game. Everything you guys just said has me wondering if Jags first quarter or first half is the play here then. Because we don't know how long the Jags are going to play, if at all, in the second half with their starters. But we know they're going to play at least a little bit. And we know that when their Jags, when the Jag starters are in on offense, they're considerably better than what the Titans are trotting out there. And we also know that Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson have been cooking recently over the past four to six weeks. They've been they've been pretty solid. So I don't have a play in this game right now. I, I was thinking about backing the Texans plus four and a half based on the rest angle with the Jags. And then Doug Peterson comes out and says he's going to play his guys. So it's it's now it's just you're guessing at this point. But I wonder if that's the angle first quarter or first half. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is a way to look at this for sure. And, you know, if and maybe there's an in-game deal. I mean, if you see these guys trotting back out, you know, for the third series or the fourth series or something, and maybe you're just like, hell, this guy is going to play them all, you know, half or something. Like maybe it is like a, an in-game then at that point on the Jags or something. But, it's but be very, careful. Be careful if Jeff Driscoll starts playing quarterback for a series because they've been doing that already. So don't just automatically go live bet that Jeff yeah. Driscoll's in and, you know, that they might still switch back and forth. I am – um I might find myself taking a Jags minus four just just in case that they actually do this. But that's kind of where I sit right now on this one. Uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Las Vegas Raiders. More news, uh, Stephen. Uh, maybe the biggest news of the week. Derek Carr benched for the Raiders. They're going to go with Jared Stidham, who will make his first career start. In the NFL, what this did was bring the Niners out to nine and a half point favorites over the Raiders, a total of 41 and a half in this one. Um, if you want the narrative stuff and all that, guys, go right ahead. It was just the if Carr gets injured, it ends up guaranteeing his money for next year and some of his money for 2024. Raiders don't want to do that. They're either going to cut him or they're going to trade him. And so they don't want to get any guaranteed money. 
on that. And um, with that, we are going to get Jared Stidham in there. And so I guess, Stephen, when you look at this, 49ers defense is great. We know it's great, really good. We know that they've already locked up the division. But there, look, there is there's something to be said for them having to, you know, get fully in 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 tune with with Brock Purdy. Because I mean, listen, he's he's been I, but I mean, he's still a rookie. Doesn't have a ton of doesn't have a ton of experience. And I think any rep is a good rep for him. Probably at this point, certainly if you have you know a deep playoff run in mind for the 49ers. So I think they do kind of keep the foot on the gas here. I think they do kind of do it. I think if they can win this game by. By thirty, they will because that's pretty good for a guy like Purdy as we as we head into the playoffs. I'm starting to wonder if they're not going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs with the way Brock Purdy has been playing. Because if you've been watching this offense and not just looking at stat sheets, he's opened up the deep game for the passing for the passing offense, which just really wasn't there for the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. He started 10 games this year to Jimmy G. He had eight completions of 20 yards or more with only one touchdown, according to PFF. In his first four games, Brock Purdy has six touchdowns of 20 plus yards. So it wouldn't shock me in the least if if he continues to start, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy. As for this game this week, all the value has been sucked out of it. Can't even tease the 49ers at this point. It's a sit back and watch for me. Um, not even interested in the least in backing the Raiders with the points with Jared Stidham because uh, to steal a line from Adam, I think it was last week, saying this is the only defense that that I want to bet on or, or the only defense that I'm ha- I'll let you <laughs> I'm messing up your you quote pretty here, much Adam, nailed it. Yeah. What I, what I'm saying is that this defense is elite. It is the one defense that we can confidently say it has a pretty good chance of wrecking a, an offense any given week. So uh, that's that's not a team I want to go up against if I'm taking a bunch of points here with a backup quarterback. Adam, uh, you know, look. This isn't a practice that we get into very often or anything, but I mean, if if we're super confident in the Giants and we're super confident in the Chiefs, and then we think this 49ers team that there's just no way they can lose to a Jared Stidham led Raiders team, that three leg money line parlay is only minus one oh eight. So I mean it's it's cheaper than playing a teaser, you know, like it's a typical two game teaser, two team teaser. So uh, just something to keep in mind. You'd be getting a nine and a half point favorite, a 13 point favorite, and then a six point favorite at minus 108. Just throwing it out there. If you're going to get me on a big favorite of the size of what San Francisco is, then I'm going to take Dallas and put it in there, even if it worsens my odds just mm-hmm. a little bit, because there is a world where the 49ers lose this game. And and I don't think it's a big world. I think it's a 0.1% world. But there is no world in which the Dallas Cowboys lose to the Tennessee Titans tonight. Uh, the peaks are there for the Las Vegas Raiders. When they have played well, they have played very well offensively. You were talking about a team that has one of the top three receivers in football and maybe the top running back in football. And that is enough for me to say that there is a way in which they can make a difference. Now, am I willing to bet the Raiders in this spot? <laughs> of course I'm not willing yeah. to bet the Raiders in this spot, obviously, because... We can look at Derek Carr having been with this organization since 2014 and say, this is the kind of move that cleaves a locker room. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not going to get too much into the Devontae Adams thing, but there were plenty of people in this organization who believed in Derek Carr after he navigated them through the John Gruden and Henry Ruggs messes last year and got them to the playoffs along with Rich Passaccia. Where's the loyalty to Josh McDaniels? Mm -hmm. Josh freaking McDaniels, please. So I don't know what to make of the Raiders this week overall. I just know that... Brock Purdy is still a rookie and the talent on the Raiders side of the ball is still there enough to make some weird things happen. And that'll get me to lay off this thing. There is a market for most touchdown scores in the league over at DraftKings. If you go in Devonte Adams, who is tied with Travis Kelsey is actually moved all the way to like plus plus one seventy five. It's like moved all the way to that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, I mean, just saying, uh, it's it's something to plus one forty five. It's not a guarantee that Travis Kelsey is going to to win that. They're tied. Uh, I think plus one forty five is at least interesting. We know Stidham's at least going to look to throw him the ball a ton. I mean, like that's at least going to to be in there. Uh, Jets and the Seahawks. Right now, the Jets are two point road favorites over the Seahawks. Forty two and a half is your total, Adam. I'll start with you here again, and I said this, and it's the same handicap, and guys, I know I don't want to sound like a broken record, but sometimes you just got to plug your nose and play a teaser leg that you don't like, and I can get the Seahawks up to eight and a half in a game with 42 and a half total. I know Mike White's back at quarterback for the Jets. If you look at the underlying stats, he's not been great, guys. Like, it's just like, it's just he's so much better than Zach Wilson that I think Jets fans are like, oh my God, a pulse. This is like, they're freaking out. It's like, no, man, he hadn't been that good. He's just been high. Like, he's been fine, but he's not been all that good. Um, eight and a half with the Seahawks at home here against a Jets team that, again, I don't think is is going to score a ton of points because they just aren't built to score a ton of points. Uh, hold my nose, play it. I think it's gross, but it is what it is. I'm with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I have it already in at Seahawks plus eight and a half. I think we probably have found the bottom with the Seahawks at this point. I, I don't know that it gets a lot lower than than what we've seen. You're like you said, this Jets offense isn't built to blow anybody out by any stretch. Uh, Check your book, though, because this has come back a little bit Uh, in Nevada. A lot of books sitting one and a half right now on the New York Jets. So if you like the seven and a half as much as the eight and a half, go ahead and play. It's the same thing. If it's a long teaser, you're getting your three and your seven. Uh, The New York Jets are an elite defense. They are eh, on offense. I don't know what to make of the fact that Tyler Lockett is back at practice and potentially could play this week for these Seattle Seahawks I just don't think the offense is as bad as we've seen the last couple of weeks for Seattle I think that should be enough to keep this game within eight and a half Steven uh it's not going to be a it's not going to be a pretty game that's for sure I think that we can all kind of agree this is going to be this this has a chance to be pretty sloppy when it's all said and done uh again Mike White if you look at the underlying stats if you look outside of the box scores you can see he's average he he, he might even be a little below average it, I, people are making this big deal like he's some sort of future star in this league he's a 27 year old journeyman and there's a reason for that so I'm not buying into this thing like he's some great savior of this team. I think the offense is at least a little bit better because it has to be because Zach Wilson's the nut low, but I'm not, uh, I don't think that this team wins big and it wouldn't be surprised. It would not surprise me in the least bit if if Seattle won this thing outright. Yeah, I, I think that he makes them more likely to win games. Obviously, I don't think it it makes him considerably more likely mm. to win games by double digits, yeah. which is what the teaser leg is here. So I, I'm with you guys. I think this is um, probably my second favorite teaser leg of the week. Home dog, one of the better home field advantages in the NFL. 
season on the line here, trying to keep your playoff hopes alive. Um, I haven't put it in the account yet. I just want to see about Tyler Lockett. I still mm. might play it if Tyler Lockett's not going to play, but if he's in, then then I want it in there. I mean, you heard a lot about Pete Carroll and others saying that he's he's the third down chain mover for them. He's who Gino looks for in a high pressure spot. Um, so he's a big deal to this offense. Just holding and, and waiting to see what his his deal is, if he can be effective catching balls with that finger. But it's more than likely going to be in my account, a, a Seattle teaser leg. Whenever we step away and uh, they cut to the sideline, we and we see Derek Carr on the sideline because uh, it's, it, these are two teams that he is going to be begging to uh, either be traded to or whenever he gets released, he'll be talking to. So maybe he'll go and try to get some some early acquaintance stuff going there in this Jets and Seahawks game. Uh, Vikings and the Packers. Packers, three and a half point home favorites over the Vikings. Forty seven and a half to forty eight is your total in this one. Guys. I already made my money on the Vikings. I know we can sit here and we can say, you know, whether you think that they're fraudulent or this and whatever, they match up pretty well against the Packers. And now Aaron Rodgers comes out and says there's some sort of knee thing going on with him. And then last time, let's not forget this, guys. He had the thumb thing and he said, like, ah, there's no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then he had like a four game stretch where he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. So, like, I'm not buying, I'm not believing Aaron Rodgers that he's just going to say, like, oh, this knee thing's no big deal and that he's perfectly fine. I don't trust you anymore, Aaron Rodgers. All right, liar. Um, so that has me either Vikings or pass. It's not in my account really quite yet. But I mean, look, this, this secondary is. Is, hey, where'd you go? Oh, here I'm back. Oh, well, what happened? Uh, this secondary uh, can be had. I mean, and like I said, the Dolphins were torching them. Like the Dolphins were were marching the ball against this Packers team, and then Tua got concussed. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins. Also, he still got Justin Jefferson, and he's got T.J. Hawkinson, and he's got Adam Thielen, and they're going to be able to move the ball against the Packers here. Other side of a field goal, it's Vikings or pass for me, and and it might end up in my account. At the very least, it'll be a contest play for me this week. I am shocked that you haven't bet the Vikings yet this week because I have bet the Vikings. Yeah, I I mean, you know me, man. Like I've been railing against the Vikings all season long. And the first rule of betting is there's always a price, right? There's always a buy point. And this is the buy point for me on the Vikings plus three and a half. I think that this is quite the market upgrade for the Packers off wins against the Bears, the Rams, and a concussed Tua in the second half of that game. So more than a field goal here is a little much. The Packers' D is just as bad as the Vikings' defense. They are bottom six in early down success rate and yards per play. And if you want to give Aaron Rodgers in this offense credit for the past four weeks, they were 10th in success rate, 21st in dropback success rate. The Vikings were ninth and sixth in those statistics. So I think the Vikings can move the ball every bit as much on offense against this defense as the Packers can. But unlike recent weeks where the Vikings were three and a half point favorites, four point favorites, now they're a three and a half point dog. And it's a buy point for me because I'm not convinced, even though I'm I'm pretty low on the Vikings overall. I'm not convinced that they are worse than the Packers, even with this kind of mini resurgence in Green Bay. The narrative aspect also into play here, just a tad, Adam. Uh, the Vikings would love to make Justin Jefferson a 2,000-yard receiver. They would absolutely love to make that happen. I think they will force-feed him, if at all possible, to make that happen. And listen, it's probably a pretty good damn strategy, as a matter of fact, to like get the ball in that guy's hands as much as humanly possible. Uh, what do you see here at the three and a half? 
And I think it's important, Matt, that you point to that three and a half. And I don't want to be too pedantic with people mm-hmm. in talking about this, but we've talked so much about big line moves, right? About San Francisco running out, about Dallas running out. My eyes get big when I see two and a half to three and three to three and a half. The market's telling you something in this spot. And I think it would be silly not to listen to that because we all can look and see that Green Bay's wins have not been impressive over the last few weeks. And we all, especially me, can look at the Minnesota Vikings after I had the experience as a Giants fan that so many fans of other teams have had this year of losing to the Vikings and saying, how in the hell did we lose that game to the Minnesota Vikings? I understand all of that. I'm not sold on either of these teams. And because of that, if the market's telling me that we're willing to not only move to three, but through three, when it comes to Green Bay and and Minnesota, I'll take a pass. Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles Chargers, the Battle of L.A., six and a half in favor of the Chargers at home uh, against the uh, against the Rams. Forty three is the total here, Adam. I mean, look, look, the Chargers got in the playoffs last week. Joe Lombardi might be the worst offensive coordinator in the entire NFL. How in the hell he can't get this Chargers team to look like a, an offense that with all those playmakers that they have and everything is going on. The sequencing's terrible. The play calling after that is horrible. Everything about this is just so bad. I don't want to back the Chargers at where they got to win by a touchdown in any fashion. I don't care if it is against the Rams. If this thing happened to get to a full touchdown, I'd probably come in on the Rams side of things, to be honest with you. Like, it's just, it has nothing to do with Herbert. Keenan Allen obviously has been fantastic. Austin Eckler popped up on the injury report this week, so that's at least a bit concerning with everything. All of that leads me to a, a either a big pass on this or, like I said, if it gets to a full touchdown, I could see myself coming in on the Rams. And remember, we were looking ahead at this thing at eight and a half mm-hmm. uh, before we saw the Rams begin to put things together a bit. Um, it's Rams or pass, uh, and it's Rams or pass largely because I look at my power ratings, and th- normally I understand where my power ratings land. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how my power ratings land. If you call this a neutral field game, which essentially it is yeah. a neutral field game, my power ratings land Chargers three and a half. Mm-hmm. And and that, to me, it weirds me out a little bit. Uh, Rams are a team that is going to get a lot of shine based on how they played last week. Just keep in mind that Denver mm. had quit and keep in mind that Baker Mayfield is on his third team in a year. Like you got the high end of what the Rams are capable of last week. But to what you just said, Matt, my trust in the Chargers at damn near a touchdown. No, I'm not. Steven, what can you can you back the Chargers and Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator uh, to score you enough points to win by a full touchdown? Not in this game. And yeah. if it's not against the Rams, I'm not sure who it can be against. I mean, maybe the, I guess the Texans. Maybe um, ten seconds four. to talk. Ten seconds to talk. Uh, talk radio here. The Chargers yeah. making the playoffs was like the worst thing for this franchise because Lombardi might not lose his job now, and like all the things. Like, it's like if they'd have missed the playoffs, they'd have had to make some changes, or whatever. And instead, it's going to be the same old Chargers again next year. Now back yeah. to you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Matt in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I I think that it's interesting to me that over the past four weeks, it's the Rams who have a better EPA per play than the Chargers Mm -hmm. offense. It's the Rams who have a slightly better success rate than the Chargers offense. They are Baker Mayfield, better drop back EPA than Justin Herbert in the Chargers offense over the past four weeks. So. 
Um, maybe a lot of that is the Denver game. I'm not sure, but I I agree with you guys. I think hats off. I will say this: hats off to the Chargers for battling and grinding through a ton yeah. of injuries in the middle of the season and getting right and and getting back to the playoffs. But yeah, I I don't think this offense is clicking the way we thought it would coming into the season. I don't think I want to back them at such a big spread. I'm just waiting to see if we get seven here. If it is seven, I'm going to bet the Rams and, you know, maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But seven would be a buy point for me on the Rams. Teams with a worse offensive DVOA than the Chargers since week 12. Arizona, Tennessee, Denver, Houston, and Indianapolis. (laughs) Man, Yeah, you're in the same conversation with them. When you're the Chargers, that ain't good, my friend. It has been it's been rough to watch this team, and especially a team so incredibly talented. It really does it really does blow to see that. Steelers and the Ravens. The Ravens sitting two and a half point favorites in this one. 34 and a half, 35 your total. The reason it's so low, because yes, it does not look like Lamar is going to play yet again here for this Ravens team. So we get the Tyler Huntley experiment yet again. He's been okay. He's certainly a below average quarterback, if not a bottom third quarterback. I have, again, the hold your nose up to eight and a half in a game with a 35 total. Have to do it. Like I said, I have a ton of teaser legs this week. It's just going to be a teaser week for me. I don't love really any of these sides. But again, eight and a half and a 35. If I lose, I lose. But I put in a good bet. That's all I can say. I'm moving on. Tyler Huntley is terrible. This Ravens team should not beat anybody by double digits. What say you, Adam Candy? If ever, ever in a season, you are going to try to middle pregame. This is the game you are going to try to middle pregame. If you want to buy yourself a six-point window on the Baltimore Ravens, I have no problem with that. If you want to lay the two and a half and take Pittsburgh eight and a half, go right ahead because this thing has 1613 written all over it. And if you want to take the Pittsburgh Steelers in anything other than a teaser on the road, God bless you because I don't care what the numbers say about this offense, and the numbers actually say they haven't been terrible the last few weeks on offense. I'm not trusting Kenny Pickett on the road against this defense. Baltimore's starting to play like the Baltimore defense again. Top five in EPA per play over the last eight weeks. They are a defense that is going to be formidable, whether they have Marcus Peters or not in this contest. So ultimately, if you want to play the teaser leg because it's a system teaser, you go for it. Yeah, it's a total of 35 for Christ's sakes. But then you look at the other piece of this and say, do you really trust the Baltimore Rave, the Pittsburgh Steelers to outright beat the Baltimore Ravens and do the two and a half points mean anything to you? No, they, they really shouldn't. Steven, uh, again, we're talking, I mean, it's 34 and a half actually at MGM. Like we're talking under 35 and you could get a team at eight and a half. It's like, if you lose that bet, you can feel comfortable going to bed at night. You're like, I may, I still made a good bet. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like it, it is what it is. I mean, like somehow Tyler Huntley figured out something along the way, but like, I mean, it's just beat me, I guess, if that's the way it's going to be. I'm starting to wonder if we should play the over, too. I mean, it's going to be beautiful weather this weekend in Baltimore, like upper 50s weather. So I'm kind of shocked that an NFL game, even I understand the rivalry here in the quarterback situation, but this is like Army Navy level stuff here with this total. So uh, but that's a sidebar. I'll book you on that one if we want to just book it straight across. Yeah, all right, I'll see you on Slack after the show. Then I'll see you on Slack. Uh, but no, this this is the by far number one teaser leg of the week. Pittsburgh up to eight and a half. I will have several of them. 
And I have full confidence that Tyler Huntley can't win this game by double digits with what the Pittsburgh defense has been putting out there. All right, we got to get Adam out of here. I want to have a quick conversation about Monday Night Football. We're not, we'll have a full breakdown of all that. It's more from an ancillary perspective here, guys. We have Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. Right now, the MVP market, Adam, it is Mahomes minus 500, but you get Burrow at plus 750 and Allen at 8-1. to one. If Mahomes, for whatever reason, has a clunker this week or only plays half the game or whatever it might be, and Burrow and Allen go into a both teams playing into the 30s shootout, I don't think basically where I'm going. I don't think MVP is dead quite yet. And getting an eight to one on both of these guys, I think is something I'm interested in. What say you? It's worth a flyer. I I don't love it because of the fact that they're going to go back to whole season on Mahomes, and everybody's going to look at what the AFC West discourse was before the year and say, oh, better, better, uh, better get the king if you come at him. And yes, Mm -hmm. I know that's a wire bastardization there, but Ultimately, Patrick Mahomes has probably had the MVP season, but Burrow specifically, if Burrow goes out there in this game and has that game, and we've seen so much of the Joseph F. Burrow swagger narrative all year long, that I like more than I like the Josh Allen side of things if if you're going to wager. I think Burrow has way more of a shot than Josh Allen does ultimately. I also have Cincy plus seven teasers tied to a number of things. Um, They're playing as well as any team in the league right now, and quiet as it's kept, Buffalo's offense has not been yeah. great the last few weeks. Me too. This this has like one possession game written all over. Steven, I'm only giving you 30 seconds because you talk too long about stuff. Is the MVP market done or is it still open? It's done. Mahomes has already wrapped it up. No He's matter what. It. I think yeah. the other bet that you can make at DraftKings right now, they have most passing touchdowns in this market. Burrow is eight to one. He is only three behind Mahomes. There is a very there. Now, this one I do like a lot. Eight to one on Burrow. He's three behind Burrow having a three touchdown game against a a Bills game that could be a shootout. And Mahomes Mm -hmm. only throwing one this week. And now you go into week 18, only one behind having an eight to one ticket in your account on Joe Burrow. I like that one a lot. So just that's interesting. Yes. Most passing touchdowns might not play next week either. Right. So most passing touchdowns, Burrow is eight to one. Where, where Mahomes is minus 2,000, I think that is mispriced. You can find that on DraftKings. I think that is a bet that I would make and would love to make. Guys, everything we do here absolutely free. Please hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section how you were going to play this thing. And if it's on the audio side, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. You want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one You want to follow Adam at Adam Candy 2 es No I. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. Good luck on all your bets here in Week 17. 